Ninth Story Studios, giving story a voice. Tweet, tweet! Are you a birdie? Do you like to Twitter and tweet? Come find us on Twitter at Victorious Lit. Tweet, tweet! Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And MIDI can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Warning. This episode contains spoilers of past episodes. If you are not current with the show, if you have not listened to the very last episode of Season 4, This might be a good time for you to hit the stop button and skip this episode until you're caught up. Otherwise, you might learn things that you don't want to know yet. Hello, and welcome to the first episode of Inside the Music Box. Something a little bit different than what we normally do here. As you know, this is an audio drama, but today, since we're in production for Season 5, and that requires writing and story editing, and voice acting, and more editing, and mixing, and scoring, and sound effects. So while we're in production doing all that fun stuff, we thought we would try to keep things interesting and fun for you as the listeners. So we have a couple of interviews scheduled. First one is with Amber Collins. That'll be our interview today. Amber plays Victoria, as you probably know. We also have an interview with Victoria herself planned, and a few mini episodes that'll keep things interesting while we're still in production. In addition to the new season, we also have a special show that we're creating set in the world of The Lift for our Patreon supporters. If you're supporting the show at $5 a month and above, then you will get to hear our special series called To Those Who Thrive in the Dark. It's going to dive deeper into some of the mythos and the legends behind The Lift, things that we talked about and that we set up whenever we were creating the show, little things that we've mentioned and alluded to throughout the show, but we're going to do a deep dive into that with this new series. Without giving too much away, you'll find out what happens when something that's not supposed to be in Victoria's building makes its way there. You'll also get to see Victoria go up against her brother Merritt and other entities that are living in the building, trying to take control away from her. It's going to be a great series. I've already read the first four episodes, and it's a lot of fun. I know that you guys are going to enjoy it. So without further ado, let's go ahead and take a look inside the music box with this interview with Amber Collins. So today I am talking to the lovely lady who plays our Victoria Bigglesworth Hayes, Amber Collins. And uh, this is fun because it's it's 6.30 here 
and it's what, 7.30 there? 7, 6.30 in the yes. morning here, I should say. 7.30 at night there. Yes, it is 7.30. And it's summer over here. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, it's it's funny because, you know, it's uh, we're, we're backwards in seasons. There's, there's, what, 12 to 13 hours difference usually when we're talking. So we haven't done this very often, but um, no, yeah. we probably should more. It's fun, right? Yeah, no, I enjoy doing it. But, yeah, like I said, it's probably better morning your time. Because I am not a morning person. You wouldn't get a word out of me <laughs> until at least after <laughs> 11 a.m. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't sleep much. It's uh, sleep is sleep is the enemy of the of, of the writer. So yeah, yeah. true. <laughs> uh, um, for, I maybe it's uh, well, you are a voiceover, but I was going to say maybe it's different for voiceovers because sleep is literally my favorite thing to do. <laughs> oh, don't get me wrong. I love a good sleep. Uh, yeah. <laughs> It's just that it doesn't happen as often as yeah, I would like. as as often as you like it. Yeah. So so for for those that have never heard Amber's voice before, whenever she's not playing Victoria, this is what Amber sounds like normally. Uh, yeah. Uh, and it's a, I have a deep bogan Australian voice, the complete opposite of charming young Victoria. Yeah, very posh and <laughs> proper and. Yeah, uh, that's not my voice, mate. <laughs> So, so is this, uh, is this, I mean, is this your normal, like, so one of the things that I've, I've noticed with, you know, a lot of the people that I collaborate with from, from different parts of the world, especially in the South, there's, there's folks that have like a very deep, thick Southern accent, but they're like, well, in the daytime at work, we have to dress up our accent. Um, and then whenever you hear us, when we're not at work, we sound like this. Um, so, so is there a, is there a more, um, uh, relaxed yeah, Amber. <laughs> this is pretty relaxed now. Uh, well, it might be a little bit. It like if I'm uh, again, like if it's if you've caught me at like seven a.m. in the morning, you, it'd probably just be a slur of words. Australians <laughs> are really known for like not properly pronouncing words, so they just all sound like one long like just. Uh, noise <laughs> and that's kind of what I sound like but um <laughs> maybe after a few drinks yeah but like it's a lot more casual than like if I have to record like a phone message like I'll I can do a, a posh Australian voice as they would say but uh yeah this is probably my normal speaking voice and you're you'll probably hear me say like yeah or yeah all right a lot <laughs> Which is probably not the most professional that's awesome uh, <laughs> See, we Americans have these very flat, uh, for most of us, these very flat, um, non, I don't know, I, I, don't, I wouldn't call it nasally. It's, it's, I, I, I'm a fan of accents, and I think most Americans are too. Like when we hear an Australian oh, yeah, or a accents. British accent or a good German accent, or, you know, it's just, it's fascinating to hear people that sound different. And I think maybe I'm particularly prone to that because. You know what we do and being audio, yeah. a lot of it is on the ear. So you know, it's just it's fascinating to me the various oh, yeah. ways that people speak. All different American accents. Um, I like like yeah, you guys are very good at pronouncing words. We're not so much. <laughs> um, but I think it's like uh apparently like uh, Americans find it very hard to do the Australian accent because it's like it uses a completely different part of the mat or like different ways of using your like vocal cords or something. But yeah, yeah I, I find it so hard to do an American accent. Like some people can do it. Um, oh, it it's, it's a, uh, if 
yeah, it makes your like throat and vocal cords feel weird, like parts <laughs> you haven't used or something. I don't know. And then there's all different types. Like yeah. you have the north and the south, like all and then different states. <laughs> like uh I love hearing like like a Minnesota, like obviously kind of accent. Oh yeah, out and about in Minnesota. <laughs> yeah. Like I don't know if that's a stereotype or not. I just really like that accent. I mean, to a certain extent. I mean, I think that you know yeah. there there are stereotypical accents, and it's always funny when you run across someone that actually has that accent, has that you know? voice. Yeah, right. I mean, you know, because you know, like you say, Minnesota. There, there are yeah. people that sound more like, like I do. Fargo. Right, <laughs> like, and then yeah. there's those folks that sound like Fargo. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, you get the New England accent too, you know, where it's, uh, can't get there from here. Well, I'm yeah. going to go out there and get some chowder today. Uh, well, apparently that's the, e- that's uh, like, the, uh, like people who have a New England or like, what, like Boston accent, they're the people that can potentially, like they tend to be the best at the Australian accent. Oh, really? Because there's like certain Cinnables or so. Yeah, I, I remember watching like this whole mini doc oh, yeah. on like uh, accent specialists, and that was the closest you could get to the Australian accent was like the New England American accent. <laughs> I guess that kind of makes sense. Yeah, I mean, because yeah. it's, it's derived from the British accent originally. Um, and yeah, like... ours is also, yeah, English is just even lazier, like <laughs> English accent. <laughs> It really is. <laughs> it's fascinating. I mean, there's oh. there's so much history to it and, and so much, um, I guess, culture involved as well, you know, because there's, it, it, I mean, especially in England, you know, you, you talk about, you know, 100 years ago, 200 years ago, you could tell where someone was from, you know, within a mile or two based upon their yeah. regional accent. Um, but everybody travels so much more. And, and, you know, I was talking to, I think Chris Long uh, about it at one point where we were talking about how much the American vernacular has invaded writing because of movies and stuff like that. So, you know, even writers now tend to use more American words. Um, it's just just a weird mixing pot of all these different cultures now. But um, you guys managed to maintain some very interesting colloquial sayings and um, yeah, as we were it's... talking about prior to the interview that, you know, <laughs> uh, there's a, you, you shorten everything. So we shorten everything. And I, I don't know, like, I think the whole thing, like, it's the old adage that a lot of Aussies are lazy. So we just don't want to speak <laughs> as many things. So yeah, we were saying like McDonald's is just called Macca's over here. Um, and like everyone's name will be shortened. Like, uh, my mum's name is like, uh, Julie and uh, but everyone will call it Jules. Yeah, yeah. she hates it. Uh, but everyone will do it. Like I've been called Amber. Like, like, but a lot of people just go, "Hey, Ams, how's it going?" I'm like, "That's not a proper shorten." But it's just, <laughs> like, if it's funny. more than one syllable, it needs to be shortened to one syllable. Like, kind of thing. <laughs> so, um, so, so you're Andy. What do people call him? Uh uh, and sometimes it, here's, here's the thing, like they'll call him Andy, but sometimes mm-hmm. they'll do a short, like a nickname that has the same number of cinema, uh, like syllables. So Andy, a lot of time gets called, like not my Andy, but uh, Andy, a lot of the time get called Ando. Like that. Hey, yeah, it doesn't Ando, shorten anything. <laughs> like, it doesn't shorten anything, <laughs> but like sometimes it, it literally makes no, you can't, you'll go inside trying to make rhyme reason out of some of them. Weird bloody words we say, but I'm sure like you listen, you hear like uh, certain English ones. Like I love Cockney rhyming slang. 
it makes no sense. <laughs> like, either. <laughs> it's really cool. Yeah, yeah. it's fun. <laughs> yeah. So, so I guess that brings us to to a first question. So, um, how how difficult is it for you to to put on the mantle of Victoria and do her accent? And what was kind of where where did you pick that up from? Uh, being uh, able to do that proper posh British accent. <laughs> I am always self conscious about that because I I know we have well, there's like English people involved in like writing and producing and I'm always like oh they're gonna listen to that and be like who the hell is doing this it's so cringe (laughs) (laughs) Um, so I've always got that in the back of my mind and I will uh like I tend to um when I'm recording I'm always like I will listen back to stuff and be like no sounded too Aussie or um (laughs) and yeah trying to be posh um and she like when I've listened back to a lot of the older ones, she's not very posh. She sounds a bit bloody like northern sometimes, like she's from bloody Yorkshire or something. So mm-hmm. I'm always like, she could just be a fancy. It's like maybe she was, you know, fancy upper, maybe holidayed in Yorkshire. Or yeah. Something. Yeah. Well, yeah. I, th- I think I think sometimes she changes. I do <laughs> like <laughs> whatever she feels like. But um, I watched. Oh, I'm I'm a bit of a a cinephile and growing up I I was a massive anything UK comedy related from like be it the 60s to the yeah. early 90s I would just binge anything and everything so we like always growing up we just muck around and talk in English accents I have no idea if it's any good or so but it was just like <laughs> We'd always be parroting something from like Monty Python Flying Circus or the Goodies or Dad's Army or something like that. Um, the two Ronnies, I think, because they're a bit more proper. I used to probably, I'm trying to think of like an actual, like a female, a proper female one that matches. Yeah, because Monty Python was all guys in skirts, right? Uh... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was like, yeah, everyone I just named were like middle-aged men from the 70s and 80s. Um, <laughs> I, oh. I mean, there's a long tradition of that in England. I mean, you know, even whenever Shakespeare was writing, there were there were no real women in the roles. They were either younger men or boys playing women, uh, which is kind of funny because like now, whenever we do voice acting, if we have like a male child, it's always a female voice actor that we go to because it's so hard for. Well, not always. That's that's not true. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's just naturally. Well, most you know, like uh, most uh, like um. You know, like your big uh, cartoons, anime, they always tend to use female voice talent mm-hmm. for um, male characters. But yet, I remember also reading a thing about that, um, and it's very hard for female, like, uh, to play, like, adult male characters because mm-hmm. uh, we naturally, uh, the way we speak, we go up in certain sentences, whereas mm-hmm. males, it's like, it, it, you have to be, like, very, very um, aware of mm-hmm. your manner of speech, not just like your pitch. Um, so it's almost, it's, it's super hard for like most women to do like a super convincing male uh, voiceover. There yeah. are ones that can do it. Um, but apparently it's a lot easier for men to try and do like a convincing female voice. It's, it's a weird how like, <laughs> yeah, it's just weird. Well, I don't know. My woman sounds like this. Oh, that's, oh. The you Monty know, Python, you, right? 
<laughs> yeah, I was going to say, you make fun, but uh, they've been down at the local pub. I'm pretty sure I've seen a couple that sound exactly like that down at your local. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of like, yeah, so my, my wife was saying to me the other day, yeah, I don't know, honey, why don't you go out there and do this? That's exactly right. But yeah, I've tried. So terrible. <laughs> I would love to like try and do a convincing like male, like, because even if I've, in the past when I've done uh, voiceover work, mm-hmm. um, like as a male child, Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's super hard to, um, like do it in a convincing manner where I don't sound like a girl. It's, it's really right. hard. Yeah. No, I know what you mean. It's tough. It's, it's tough. It's, you know, one of the, one of the reasons why, um, I've, I've started to gravitate more to if there are, I mean, it's, it's interesting, right? Because I mean, I think that you, a male can like, if you're narrating a story, um, you can you can kind of suggest a female voice by by raising your pitch a little bit, yes. and eventually, oh, yeah. it, it, if the story's long enough, you know, people kind of forget about it and they hear that character and they realize that it's a female character. You oh, just have yeah. to be careful about not going like, "Oh, hello," you know. That's it's like <laughs> yeah. you can overdo it. And and I've heard, oh yeah, I've listened to plenty of audiobooks that like yeah, if it's a male narrator, you can you know, like, ah, the slightly higher pitch is the female character. Or, like, if a female is narrating the voice, yeah, you're like, oh, She'll that's drop her register pitch. a little bit. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, but when it comes to, I mean, I, my preference, at least for the length of the stuff that, that I usually work on, because they're all short stories, is to cast appropriately, you know. So if there is a female character, I usually try to get a female voice actor to play the, the character um, and vice versa, just unless it's like a couple lines here or there, then I'm not so concerned with it. But if it's an actual yeah. character that's going to show up multiple times through the story, you know, I think casting appropriately makes it a little bit more immersive to the to the listener. Yeah. So one of the one of the questions that was sent in to me that's similar to this question is uh, from uh, from a gentleman by the name of Chris who said, Amber Collins, you do such an amazing <laughs> job acting as the voice of Victoria. What inspired you to do voice acting? And how do you enjoy how do you enjoy playing the role? Uh, stop it, Chris. <laughs> oh, you're, you're too kind. Um, uh, uh, what, oh, I uh, I started wanting to do voiceover because at, at the time I was at uni doing a Bachelor of Communications, which is never, never do one of those. They're completely useless. <laughs> I have I still have a twenty five k debt from that. Um, nice. And I learned more. I think I learned more uh, from audio work doing like freelance, like the lift and a little bit of volunteer work that I did at like a radio station more than I ever did at uni. Um, so, and because I live in Perth, Western Australia, there's not tons of opportunity for people with that degree. Um, I was lucky enough to get a job in the industry, literally, I think what it was uh three and a half four years after my i finished my degree um and i'm very lucky um so i was like well i love doing audio stuff and in school i was always a i did like drama and community theater Mm -hmm. i was like i like um i want to do my communication stuff like my audio stuff um but i I don't really want to like do a radio show or something what can I do <laughs> and then uh and yeah I so I was listening to podcasts um uh and I was like oh yeah, maybe I could give that a go and I had no idea no one I like no one I knew had any idea how to go about it 
Um, so I remember just Googling voice over work, uh, where start, <laughs> like something yeah. like that. And I, I th- yeah, it was like I got to random sites. And I'd only been doing it, I think, about four or five months until I saw yours, mainly on the pro boards, which it was like voiceacting.proboards or something, which is still around. It's called something else now, um, but there is still stuff on there. So if anyone wants to try, um, I think if you just type uh, Google search voiceacting proboards, like it's, it's basically a stepping stone. So there is some paid gigs there, but it's mainly like unpaid. So it's like, it's that whole like uh, you know get paid in exposure, but it's also a really good place to learn. Right. So, um, I like I didn't like I didn't ex- expect to get paid for any of those ones because like it wasn't oh, like my uh, I was learning. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but, yeah. So um, and my I had terrible mics. I had just a headset mic. <laughs> it was. It was horrible because um, I didn't have, like, I was a uni student at the time. I didn't have the budget. Um, I used to sneak into their recording studio sometimes to, like, nice. use it. But I get, they were just like, all right, get out of there. You're not doing uni work. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> um, so it was a shitty headset, Mike. But a lot of the time, because these people, like, a lot of the people who are running the projects, they, because you're, like, doing it, doing their work a lot of a lot of the time they're um, just really passionate about a project and they have no budget or anything. So right. I really didn't mind doing them for people that just wanted to make something like um, I would like, uh, it's a little bit different. Like if a big corporation was like, Oh, we need you to voice something, but oh, we have no money. Or it's like, <laughs> you clearly do. You just don't want right. to pay it. But when it, it, you'd get you, most of the people on there are like, now, look, I, I, I've had this idea for a game for like three years. I'm finally making it. Um, I have absolutely no money, but I really need voiceovers. And I'm like, well, that see, I, do, I really don't mind lending my voice to something like that because right. they, like, they're, they're generally passionate about something. And a lot of voiceovers who are generally passionate about something want to just do it kind of thing. Yeah, when you're starting out, you don't really have a budget. You know, I mean, when, when I decided to cast for Victoria – um, previously, I mean, and, and, and you know, this, we, uh, I was yeah. using a computer generated voice that's based upon live voice recordings of children. So I think it's, I think it's called kids talk or something like, but there was it this company wasn't bad. It was pretty good. Yeah. Like, let's be honest for a computer ge- uh, generated voice. She was yeah. pretty good. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I started hiding, I could hide that a little bit by yeah. adding that reverse echo, which is where Victoria's signature voice kind of came from was yeah. in the beginning, trying to disguise the fact that it was computer generated. I mean, it's, it's based upon a real recording, you know, it was a real girl that would record it, yeah. but obviously they take that, manipulate it and make her voice say different words and things like that. And yeah, you know, there were times whenever I would write a line and I would, I would go into that software and, and, you know, test it before I would obviously pay to download the the file. Cause you can like kind of toy around with it. And then once you get it where you want to, you can download it and then there's a fee for it. So um, I realized quickly that it was going to really limit the way that I could write the character. It was obviously going to, um, not be a real person. And I think doing an audio drama, it was really important that we had her as somebody with, you know, a, a real, a real person behind it, you know? So there was some, some emotion there. Um, 
And you know, whenever I posted it, that's that's kind of how we started out. It was it was like there was no budget. This is what I'm trying to do. Um, and as we discussed in the very beginning, you know, as the show grows, as you know, we get some support for the show and money starts coming in, then obviously I want to pay everybody for what they're doing. And thankfully we, we evolved to that point. So, you know, Amber does now get paid for, for her work (laughs) has for quite some time. Uh, Be nice. But yeah, it's like, not that I like, yeah, thank you very much. Very appreciated. But I love, (laughs) like, I love the lift and things like that. So like it, when I, when I read, um, the post i was like hell yeah yeah it's <laughs> more the key to do it so, you, you um, did such a good job i remember having to email you back and going okay um you're not actually a child right <laughs> <laughs> yeah i remember that oh oh man that's so long ago oh gosh I th- yeah I re- and i think the first thing i paid you in was a microphone if i'm not mistaken and, th- and then we we started actually sending you some money um uh yeah i was i like um i remember getting and i was like yeah i invest it, I, oh, the first ever mic I got was a bloody uh, a good old uh, Blue Yeti Snowball. Oh, there you go. Um, which at the time, oh, I see, I'm so oh, thinking back on like six years of audio, I didn't know <laughs> the difference between a dynamic and a condenser, yeah. which I don't need to bore everyone with. But basically, one's good for recording out, like if you don't have a studio, and one's good for recording if you do have a studio. Yeah. I didn't have a studio, and I got the wrong one. So you could hear everyone and their mums. Just like you could hear the person mowing two streets away. <laughs> like you could hear planes. You could hear like just wind. The neighbor's um, dog barking. Yeah. Yeah. I remember one time you were telling me that you had to record in, what was it, like one minute segments whenever the traffic light was red at the yes. end of the street? My One of the first ever houses I lived in when I did voiceover was near a major road. And I could only record uh, for two minutes because there was a about 500 meters away, there was <laughs> traffic lights. So I only had two <laughs> minute lots because I had to wait till the lights went red. And then I'd have like two minutes of recording and then I'd have to, oh, it's horrible. <laughs> it's, it's, you know, it's fun to look back on how, how we all started with everything, you know, because, you know, yeah. I think my first microphone was a blue snowball as well. And are they good? They're really good for what they are. Like, oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. USB mic. Um, yeah. And it's, you know, it's, it's, it, it does what it's, it does what it's intended to do. Um, but it's obviously as we evolve and our ears get better, um, I think that we more for ourselves than, than for the, yes. for the listener. Because we start to get these bat ears that that are trained to hear every little oh yeah click and every pop day. and <laughs> yep. yeah and like I'll ask for like a secondhand advice like if I'm doing like recording something at work or something I'll be like can you hear that and they're like I have absolutely no idea what you're going on about it sounds like anything <laughs> like it sounds fine and I'm like yeah but don't you hear that slight ooh <laughs> <laughs> and yeah I think I think we're doing it more. Yeah, for our own sake than anyone yeah. else. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we're we, we, you know, part of it is too. I mean, especially since you're working in a in a professional recording environment now, you know, you have the best mics, the best earphones, yeah, uh, headphones. So you're hearing things that someone riding in their car listening to a podcast or someone working at the gym at the gym with cheap earbuds in is not yeah. ever going to pick up. They're, um, they're too busy to like worry about that kind. Of, like yeah. there was a slight pop or something, and like for example, now I'm not panicking but i was slightly anxious because like um i've just got my gaming headset on and i don't i i can't i've got no feedback i can't hear myself so i have no idea if i'm like popping or like if 
if I'm too close to the mic or anything. Sorry, it's gonna be horrible. Nah, uh, you're, good. you're good. I mean, you know, there, there's a little bit of popping here and there, but it's not anything that's that's. I'll, I'll, I would I'll be cons- to the I, side a bit. It wasn't anything, it's not anything I'm concerned about. <laughs> yeah. If you were if you were recording Victoria right now, I'd be like, um, yeah, I think I need you to have to do a redo on this. Um, yeah, but, but for this, yeah, I, I think we're good. My uh. Because I, I now use a Rode Podcaster, uh, FYI, anyone like for my home stuff. So if anyone mm-hmm. needs a good, like if you don't have uh, like soundproofing and you need just a USB mic, the Rode, like I'm not endorsed by them. If they would like to, that would be great. Cause yeah, they're made there in Australia. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they are. Um, but yeah, the Rode Podcaster is really good because um, it uh, it has a great, it gets, it filters out a lot of background noise. Yeah. And reverberance, which is really hard to like edit out, so it's a really good mic for that. Um, yeah, it's great for for non ideal environments. It's a good starter yeah. mic for you know someone that wants to do voiceover work. Oh yeah, and it like obviously yeah. If I it I can now because I've like worked in a proper studio for a couple of years, I can definitely tell the difference like between the podcaster and a proper studio mic, but. For someone like, yeah, your everyday kind of person, your podcast is fine quality. We actually have quite a few news uh, producers that work for like uh, the local news and things like that. And they all use the podcaster because they can just do it wherever they can if they need to urgently record something while they're on location or something. Yeah. And if you have a good audio editor, I mean, we can we can change the the profile of that microphone. We can change the um kind of the peaks and valleys and, and get rid of things that shouldn't be there. We can enhance the highs and lows in certain ways. Yeah. I mean, the, obviously the best is, is starting with a, with a good mic and the, the podcaster is definitely no slouch when it comes to capturing a, a good portion of the, the vocal range. I mean, it, it doesn't capture frequencies that dogs hear um, like some yeah. microphones do, but it's always <laughs> been the thing that's funny to me. It's like, why do I care about this in this upper range whenever the human ear isn't going to be able to hear it anyway? Hear so. it. Yeah. <laughs> So along with that, how has how has the portrayal of Victoria involved evolved for you from whenever you first started playing the character? I like it's definitely it's more that um, I think I know how she would say certain things because obviously, like you have the script there, and I read them so I can get um, like I read all the bits so I can I can sometimes I'll get it wrong, but I read most <laughs> of the script so I know what context. Doesn't right. mean I always get the right context, but um, I've found it a lot easier over the years to say to uh, like know how she would say certain things or how she would react to certain things. Yeah, because it's not like sometimes, uh, and the scripts are always like very well written, but sometimes it's hard to know exactly how a character is meant to say something, mm-hmm. or if that makes. Sense. Yeah, no, absolutely. And- Especially in, in prose, because I mean, we started the show and, and a lot of the writers, I mean, even I in the beginning, yeah. we all came to it from being prose writers. So I mean, we would we were yeah. writing short stories and not novellas, novels, whatever. Um, and over time, and I think that we, we started doing this more last season, season four, moving to a script format, first of all, selfishly, because for me, it made it a lot easier to edit it. But then I started to realize, you know what, this as a as a voice actor, this makes it a lot easier for a voice actor to kind of find their lines, know what to say, not have to dig through paragraph after paragraph to find, you know, where the quotation marks were. Um, We always tried to bold Victoria's lines, but every once in a while you'd miss one. Not you, me. 
us, the oh, writers. Oh, no, I would, yeah, I would, I, I, because even though I'm like reading them and I'll check, I'll just like, oh, yeah, or I'll just, yeah, <laughs> then, ugh. Which, uh, yeah, um, I, that's another, I am a voiceover, but I'm actually <laughs> severely dyslexic, as in like, uh, I drove my university and uh, teachers up the wall. So um, sometimes I do just miss stuff yeah. <laughs> or I'll say uh, things wrong. And Dan's, you're very lovely when you're like, oh, do you mind if we, and I'm sure you've just nice enough to, um, I'm sure I've made tons of more mistakes that you'll just be like, ah, we, we can use that. It's all right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I will say, okay, and this isn't just you, it's every voice actor. Like sometimes they'll miss a, a small line or they'll they'll say something a little bit differently than the way that it was worded. But I think that that happens in in movies and any other production as well. Oh, I mean, there's yeah. some ad libbing that goes on, or a line gets misread. But sometimes it's magical. I mean, sometimes it's just like you know what? That's so much better than the way it was but, written. Yeah. I'm just going to yeah. go with that because um, yeah. it comes out natural, right? I mean, that's one yeah. of the things that you know. I remember Mark Hamill talking about who who does a ton of voice work and obviously is Luke Skywalker. Oh, yeah, and him yeah, just talking about. Whatever trying to read the lines in, in the first star Wars movie and just going, who talks like this? Um, (laughs) So so I think that sometimes that's what happens. Like when we write stuff, it's, it looks great on paper, but whenever you try to get your mouth around it and say it, it just comes out sounding weird. So there are times whenever you and other voice actors will read something and it's different than the way that it was written. And I'm like, that's so much better. Or, you know, a line gets missed and I'm like, well, we don't really need that line. Um, But but, you know, I mean, there are occasional times whenever I'll go back and say, hey, you know, on this line, can you do a pickup? We missed this line on this page yeah. or this oh, this I, part of the sentence or whatever. But it's it's pretty rare. Yeah. Thankfully. Well, it wasn't till I worked in more like uh, like your corporate voiceover that I realized how nice you you bloody are compared to a lot of corporate people. <laughs> that, that, that was, it will be like, we don't like the way you said the. Can we have less of the th? And more of the, uh, <laughs> um, okay, <laughs> like, all right. <laughs> um, the two, the ooh was a little bit too pronounced. So can we just cut that back just a tiny bit? And I, so I'd get that feedback, like, yeah. which is just like, if anyone who does that kind of work, you're always going to get people that are like that and you just do it. But then it would, it, I'd get like, uh, do like a, a lift episode that'd be like 20 pages. And I would, and I just get like from Dan going, oh, that was great. Awesome. Thanks. And I was like, damn, not a single pickup. <laughs> like, and it wasn't me going, it wasn't me going, man, I must have smashed it. I was like, man, Dan is just really nice. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's, there, there's, there's things that you can't, there's things that you can fix as a producer and there's things that you can't. And, and I think that it's just a lot, it's a lot quicker and easier for everybody if we just try to fix what we can. Um, yeah. But I mean, you're I'd say you're at a good 97 to 98 percentage of the time oh, that it's exactly yeah. what it's supposed to be, or it's better than what I was expected. And I find <laughs> that, especially when I'm writing, when I'm writing the stories, you know, like I, I hear Victoria say things in a certain way and then you say the line and I'm like, oh, that's so much better than the way that I was thinking it was going to sound. Um, it's yeah, just, it, it, you're no, it, go on. No, I was going to say it's, it's, it's part of, you know, that evolution. It's you've, you've played her for so long that, you know, and that's that's another question, but you know how how well do you feel that that you know her and how much of you has creeped into her? That's like I definitely like yeah it because of like over five years now she it does 
it's weird when you voice like I've never voiced a character for that long, like mm-hmm. the same consistent character. And yeah, it 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 definitely like when I'm recording it, it definitely feels like I'm reading it uh like I'm reading it, but I'm reacting I'm just without even realizing it reacting how I think Victoria would mm-hmm. kind of thing. Like I'm I'm outraged like if she's outraged, I'm outraged at the same time, kind of thing. If yeah, or like yeah, um, or if someone's like yeah, if she's offended, like I'm offended or something like that. Just while I'm recording, mm-hmm. and yeah, it's like I have this clear picture in my head. Like you could just tell me the setting of the story, and I could be like, "Ooh, that'd be interesting for Victoria." Yeah, and it yeah, it 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 definitely like because. Yeah, it's it's hard to describe. She definitely feels like I definitely feel part of her kind of thing, you know. Mm-hmm. And I think yeah, she might have uh like over the years she might have gotten a bit more um not <laughs> not as high class maybe because I'm voicing her <laughs> like occasionally. <laughs> I'm sure she's a lot more proper and I've kind of put a bit of the uh ruffian maybe a bit more than she would be and i think i like that i mean you know character (laughs) just like we evolve over time i think our characters should as well and you know i mean i think in the in the latest episodes uh or one of the one of the last three that it was you know i wrote the 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 piper storyline the last three episodes and I don't know which episode it's in, but there's a point where she's like, you know, I'm over a millennium old. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm like a thousand <laughs> years old. Not, not, you know, at least from her perspective, because she bounces around in time a lot. But yeah. I, I mean, I think that she's definitely evolved over time and, and she, she has this impish quality that, you know, has always been there and has kind of come out more with your portrayal of her, which I really like. Um, but I mean, she's still very sweet and she's kind and she's a lot nicer than I would be to people that she meets. Um, oh which is yeah. Great. She's, she, yeah, uh, she has a lot of, uh, uh, restraint, just very good. She's a, I think she's a people person kind of thing. Yeah. yeah like she, she knows exactly, uh, like if she wants to annoy someone, she could, she, I think she knows exactly <laughs> <laughs> like yeah. if she wants to keep someone calm or something, she knows what to do, but if she wants to piss someone off. She could do that. Like she, uh, is it like apathetic, uh, empathetic at the same time, but knows exactly how she, to get a reaction or to get people, you know what I mean? Exactly right. the right thing to say. Like. She's there to guide them to a decision and she yeah. does her best to do what she needs to do and be who she needs to be yeah. to try to get that person to make the right choice. Um, you know, sometimes people require for, it's just like children, I think. I mean, I think that she sees um, not in a, in a, in a derogatory or condescending way, but I think she sees a lot of her visitors as children, you know, oh, even yeah. though she's the child in appearance to them that, you know, her physical attributes and, and her voice and everything, she's obviously a little girl, but she's been around for a long time. And I think that she's just like, she sees the people that, that come there as children that need to be guided and taught a lesson. Oh yeah. Um, I, I think that it's like from reading so much, you just get to the point. Yeah, like she, I'm trying to work. It's hard to put into words, but um, <laughs> oh god, it's, it's like an, there's these a are hard questions. Yeah, Whew. there's certain ineffable things that that are hard to really describe. It's just kind of yeah. She just, it, I just love reading it, and she always has like she like super quick, yeah, and things like that. It's like she'd be wicked at like 
some sort of like stand back, uh, stand up comedy kind of thing. Like, <laughs> <laughs> she can like, man, she's got the quickest quips ever, like, yeah. <laughs> and things like that. Um, which is, uh, I think, I like, I love that part. Um, it's cool. Uh, yeah. So I have a I have a question from someone named Susan who said that uh, let me see if I can find it here. Uh, Victoria seems very real. I think this is partly because of the quality of the writing, but obviously part of the quality of the voice acting as well. Uh-huh. Do you ever find yourself feeling creeped out a little bit, like Victoria is talking through you or possessing you? Uh, I don't like. Like I said, sometimes like I'll finish reading a, a story and there's like a couple where uh, Victoria's like mad because something has happened or something like an injustice or something. Right. When I finish recording, I'll be like, oh, I'm pissed off. And there's no reason <laughs> for it. Like it didn't happen. <laughs> I, I wasn't the one that just had to go through it. I'm like, ooh, that's, ooh, that wasn't good. That's, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you get the um, residual emotion. Yeah, exactly. Like I've got all worked up for no reason. <laughs> um, but yeah, Victoria's got like like I I voice the words, but she's got like a whole life of her own kind of thing. Um, it's uh, it's it's weird being like uh, it's like because I've always seen the lift like uh when I try to describe it to people, I'm like it's like the Twilight Zone or Black Mirror, but like the host, like your Twilight Zone, your Rod Sterling, they're like a proper character. They're part of the story, right? Um, and she's like such an important. It's kind of like a bit of a nerd, but like he's she's kind of a bit like the Doctor and like Doctor Who kind of thing. Like it's the only thing that kind of connects everything together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and. She like yeah I I, I don't mm. she definitely brings her own life to the table uh, yeah. like her like she it's made it really easy for me to voice her over so many years because yeah you just you just start to get me as a voiceover you just start to get to know how she would say things or how she would react to things probably mumbling and just saying the same thing over and over. No, no, it's it's <laughs> it's, it's it's very accurate because I mean you know when you get to play a character. It's fun to play lots of different roles, but it's also there's a special um, reward to being able to play a, a, a recurring character. Um, you know, I've, for the private collector, I've played Frank Enfield for for a long enough yep. that he starts to become a part of you, and you start to bleed into that character. Um, Nelson character. doing the librarian, <laughs> you know, he oh, said, "I love the library." Yeah, when he when he plays the librarian, it's just like there's a. I've watched him do it. There's like a physical change that occurs. Like his, his mannerisms yeah. change, uh, his face changes, you know, it's his uh, voice yeah. changes. I, I tend to smile a lot. Like when I'm doing Victoria, I, t- yeah. I tend to sit up a lot. Like I'm like, um, and sometimes if I know, like, cause I, I, a lot of the time I read my lines and mm-hmm. I've realized I, cause I'll know what she's about to say. I like look up, like I'm looking at an adult or something like that. It sounds really weird. <laughs> no. <yeah. laughs> like, it, I think it helps. It's a bit more method. Like she's talking. She's obviously, she's a child. So she'll mm-hmm. be looking up at someone and maybe that helps like my diction or something. But I'll look up as if I'm talking to a, 
a person. <laughs> yeah, no, that's that's cool. I mean, because like I was, with Nelson, he's done the library. I mean, the librarian and Victoria, I think, are kind of similar characters in some regards because they're so. Oh, yeah. They're so outside of. I mean, they're they're both human, but they're so far removed from humanity in in, in certain ways. Um, you know, like he said, whenever he plays the librarian, it's almost like he's channeling the librarian. It's it's yeah. uh and, and you know, I mean, it's a lot of it has to do with the, the the writing too, where you get to know the character so well that, like, when I write Victoria, she sometimes will say things, or I'm typing and and she just says something. I'm like, well, that's not what I thought you were gonna say, or it's yeah. not what I intended <laughs> for you to say. Sorry um, for a kibble kind of thing. Like exactly, exactly. And I think that's the fun part of writing, and it's it's the fun part of voice acting too. Is when you you find something in the character that you didn't expect or yes. you know you're looking at a line on the page but whenever you actually say it out loud you're like oh now this sound this has a different meaning now than that it's been spoken out loud oh yeah and yeah sometimes i'll get scripts like that uh which is always fun cuz like i say like oh, i know how she'll say it because like i've voiced it for so long but sometimes like the scripts in that i'll get like get chucked a curveball and it'll be like whoa that's not how i thought that was going to go kind of thing. Like, ooh. Um, so, yeah, like, yeah. It's a very weird – yeah, it's a very – It's a, thank you very much for that question. It's definitely <laughs> – th- I wish I was prepared. <laughs> well, that's, was, the, that's the fun part yeah. of this. Is a, oh, that's the best part. Like, it's a, yeah. a nice, raw, uh, you know, unrehearsed answer. That's what you want kind of thing. <laughs> exactly. Um, so Chuck sent a question and Chuck is actually one of the, the writers he's written oh, yeah. the couple Christmas stories, um, the, the Josh Conway where Victoria gets to, to grow up for a, a night, the German story where they're saving the children. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, so hi. a lot of his stuff, <laughs> yeah, so a lot of his stuff is very <laughs> World War II based. He, he has a, a, a book that he's been working on for quite a while and the characters in his book show up in, in, in the lift quite often. Um, so his question was with all the different authors writing stories for the lift, have you ever been surprised by some of the situations they put Victoria in and wondered how the heck am I going to be able to make that work? We're going to go ahead and take a quick break at this point. And when we come back, we'll get the answer to this question and more. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, achy joints, weight gain. Maybe you're thinking they're all just part of getting older. Or that's what your doctor tells you. But Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all be connected. Hormonal changes that happen during perimenopause and menopause are at the root of dozens of symptoms women experience, not just hot flashes. Midi specializes in compassionate care for women in menopause. Their solutions are safe, effective, and FDA approved. Plus, they're covered by insurance. A convenient telehealth visit with a MIDI clinician can be your first step to getting personalized care. They'll tailor a treatment plan for your symptoms and health history so you can get back to feeling great. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. When your body changes, your care should too. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. 
I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. With all the different authors writing stories for The Lift, have you ever been surprised by some of the situations they put Victoria in and wondered, how the heck am I going to be able to make that work? (laughs) I'm trying to... I remember a couple of earlier ones, and I think because, like, I was still new to it. I'm trying mm-hmm. to think of specifics. Um, the latest ones um, were definitely a bit like, ooh, this is different. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, like being slightly older Victoria and not quite Victoria. The one that I think mainly from a voiceover one is when I had to do <laughs> a southern accent. That was, I think that was the hardest ever. Not character-wise, because the character was still very much like Victoria, mm-hmm. but definitely the voice work. I apologize uh, to anyone uh, that has that kind of accent. It was, oh, it was horrible. You know, I thought, I think we before we started recording, I told you I thought that was a great performance. Um, <laughs> because I wouldn't expect Victoria to be able to do a spot on Southern accent. True, very true. Uh, yeah, she is. English. So yeah, maybe yeah. that was her trying to do her best impersonation. Right. She's um, trying to blend in. So so we're talking about um the, the story where she was the the character she was playing was Justice. Um it was the war right. story. Yeah. Um the other one I think another one that uh I think it was the first one underrated as well that I it it, it took me a few goes because I wanted to get it right was uh is the season one finale. Uh, where she's narrating. Oh yeah, she's um, telling her story. So we're talking about she's telling plummet. her story. Yeah, yeah. Plum, that's the one. Um, I remember that one was quite because it was like yeah, the end of season one. That was like a full on, and it was. And, more and you were ba- sick too. I remember. You know, so yeah, I had. You had a sore throat. Quite, yeah, yeah, and <laughs> so, I oh, I couldn't. I there was like three days. I literally could not talk. And Dan's like. Oh, I've sent you this like your big your big one, the season one finale, which you're narrating, and I'm like, oh, I'm so sorry, I'm like the worst. And yeah, I <laughs> I was still slightly sick, um, so I had that, but also it was just like because the story was about her rather than it being about someone else and her kind of helping them through it kind of thing. It was like a personal kind of story, right? You so get to I find out to why a- Victoria is stuck there because you know as we've alluded to over the seasons. The, the folks that, that choose poorly or don't make the right decision end up stuck in the building. And exactly. it was when I got to the end of it. And actually it was when I was editing it and I was listening to your audio and mixing and everything. I mean, I had read the story a number of times that, you know, Cindy wrote it and read it a number of times, but I finally got, to, when I was editing it, I was like, Oh, this is why Victoria's stuck here. She made the wrong choice. And she yeah. Chose- that I was like, Oh, <laughs> 
like it's, it's not even a twist, but I remember just being like, "Oh, I get it." <laughs> yeah, because I mean, that's like the question I always had is like, "Why is this poor little girl stuck in this building?" I mean, I know yeah. this was her destiny, and that she's supposed to be this guide, and you know, kind of like there's a lot more backstory that that hasn't been revealed yet. You'll probably get some yeah. of it in the new season, um, especially when we go back to. Uh, England when Victoria was a little girl and 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 learned some things about her family and you know why her parents weren't actually supposed to get married and things like that that mm-hmm. you know result in Merritt and Victoria being born and a lot of the a lot of the secrets will not a lot but some of the secrets will come out we like to be oh, I, we like to be judicious with our secrets <laughs> oh I love law any yeah. kind of law I love law <laughs> it's fantastic yeah. Um, but yeah I mean that that for me too was a surprise we get to the end that I'm like oh I get it so She's actually this. She's the first. I don't want to call it victim, but she's the first student of the building, where yeah. you know she chose poorly, so she gets stuck there, and yeah. and Merritt also chose poorly, so he gets stuck there. So they're stuck like there. the first two that are supposed to learn their lesson, and and I think it wasn't until late in season three that we we did a, a story set far far in the future where Victoria actually does get to leave the building finally. Yeah. Um, yeah, but it's 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 always fun, you know. I mean, we have so many different writers that that create her that she's become this very nuanced, very real person that, you know, is a lot more complex just like a real person than she would be if just I wrote her or just Cindy yeah. wrote her or just any of the authors wrote her. Um and you get to meet her at like lots of different points in her her timeline. So, you know, from week to week you may be getting, you know, 2 or 300 years apart from where she's been. Um and, and then other times you're getting her, you know, right after the the previous episode. Oh yeah, um, that was that was actually a lot of fun when we did um, the Von Homlin. It's a story that I'd been toying with for a long, long time, and and I wanted to create a situation where Victoria kind of has the source of her power taken away from her, and she's out of her element. And how does she react to it? Yeah, like uh, she, all she's got is her natural kind of wit and charm kind of thing, rather than. A whole building, like, or and her music box kind of thing. I right. yeah, I really enjoy doing those ones. Yeah, I mean, those are the fun stories. It's like you know, what happens when Thor loses his hammer? What happens when Victoria yeah. loses her music box? You know, what what yeah. will she rise to the occasion? You know, how how will she solve this situation? And especially pitting her up against someone who has another object of power that was created by the same creator that created her music box. It's just yeah. it was a lot of fun to just kind of see the opposites and how they kind of played against each other. Yeah. So do you have any favorite lines or situations that you've, that you've done for the show? Oh gosh. I, I, I remember one of the first times saying elevator in American voice. That was, oh, that was, fun. that was I, tremendous. Still one of my I, favorites. I, I, yeah. I just, <laughs> or elevator as you call it. She just elevator. did. It. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, um, I just remember, I was like, like part of me is like, come on, Victoria, there's no need to, Make fun of their voice. (laughs) 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 But at the same time, I think like she's kind of cheeky, kind of. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Um, uh, I'm trying to think. I oh, there's like there's a few funny like I think the quips like sometimes she'll just hit back at someone and they're really fun. Like anytime she's cheeky or like Mm -hmm. uh, there's or sassy. Mm -hmm. I love like sassy Victoria. Like someone. Oh. She just says, and then you're like, oh, I love getting to voice those. So I'm like, I wouldn't say that in real life to anyone, but I'm going to say that as Victoria. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, no, it's it, it actually makes me think about the uh, the the quick sketches that you did of her with like different facial expressions, which is still one of my favorite pieces of Victoria. Um, oh yeah, where you did like her smiling and her angry and and her upset and surprised. Yeah, yeah, she's got a whole range of emotion. She does. Um, yeah, she's a very well thought out character, and I love like even though she's you know she's like a nine year old girl that's like lived up in you know victorian england times she's very uh um what's well like um she's very open to like anyone she's very progressive she had a, she never like mentions or anything or is bothered by any differences or anything like she's there to help she doesn't care like anything else it doesn't bother her right exactly you know it, yeah. it's she's a very progressive strong female character yeah. Oh, yeah. And it's been great to be able to voice some. Like, I hadn't, uh, my voiceover, uh, credit, like, a lot of the time I'd been voicing, like, uh, uh, NPCs in video games, which was, like, woman, uh, like, you'd be, I'd be, like, woman three. And then I'd get given a list <laughs> of, like, okay, so your NPC, uh, like, here's a few lines, but, because it would be, like, um, like they could be like a Skyrim mod or a game that's being developed like Skyrim. And it would be something like, okay, so I need 10 different types of death rattles. Um, one where she's like, cho- she's being drowned. Another where she's being stabbed. <laughs> another where she's like drowning. Um, I also need like a help. The town hall's on fire. <laughs> I'm like, oh, these lines are very deep. <laughs> Yeah, you did. uh, You did what? uh, A thief project, didn't you? Yeah, that was like that was one of my first ever ones. That was like a god. It was so long ago. Um, You had to die multiple ways. Yeah, that was my first one of my first ever voiceover uh, jobs was for a game called The Dark Mod, and it was made by these uh, basically video game producers that, in their spare time, they loved the Thief series so much that they made their own kind of thing based on. um, I think I think it was like a Doom Three mod, but it was basically a whole game, and people could make different maps um, for it and things like that. And uh, so you could go in and make your own like quest and map. And so I was like a I I was a few NPCs that you could just put into your map um, that could so you could steal stuff from or like uh, and things like that. So yeah, I had like three pages of different ways to die, and I'm very. <laughs> At the time, I'm very new to voiceover, and I get yeah. given this, and I'm like, I gotta sound like I'm drowning. Um, so I had like a cup of water, and I'm like gargling water, like, <laughs> like I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> so I always remember that job because, like, uh, cause yeah, it was just quest. It's like, oh, dying because gas bomb has gone off, so your roof, like, it's. <laughs> I'm like, oh, okay. That's true. <laughs> Yeah, I was dying from from slow re- a slow acting poison or uh, being hit by stone rock, and I'm like, oh, all right. <laughs> it's different from being hit by an axe, apparently. So yeah, I need different go. noise for that. <laughs> that's right. That's right. One's more slicey, and the other one's more thunky. Exactly. So I love Victoria because she is a very well grounded character, um, who's uh, like uh, she's. I love characters that are also um, she's uh, she's well rounded. So she has her strengths, but she also has her flaws. Like in no way is she like a Mary Sue that 
She's not a character that just has, it's like, oh, she can do this, 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 and she's absolutely perfect and nothing, she's never done anything bad ever. She's mm-hmm. like, even though she's clearly like a supernatural being, she's like, in the way she's human, she makes mistakes. Yes. Um, and, but I think in Victoria's case, she's very, because she's very, uh, she's wise beyond her age, even when she makes mistakes and she realizes she works on them. Like yeah. they're only they're mistakes that she doesn't re- continue to repeatedly make them. Um, she learns from them. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like uh, I think what the inexorable Halloween. She's trying to save the the three girls that get killed while they're oh out that one. Yeah. Now yeah. I remember that one. Uh, that one I was like, oh, that's really full of <laughs> that one. Like yeah. I loved voicing that one because I was like, "Oh, that's really rough." <laughs> yeah, it's like she's just so devastated. She does everything to try to change it, and yeah, you know, the and librarian has, yeah, and the librarian has to yeah. explain to her like, there, certain things have to happen. You know, yeah. you can't change these things, but you had to learn that lesson yourself. And yeah, I, I made reference to that in um in in one of the the latest well the latest episode that was actually part of the fun of writing. The, that three-parter was, I actually called back to quite a few prior episodes, um, including that one. And, and, you know, when Victoria's explaining to to Jackie that you can't alter time, things have to happen. Yeah, because after... it's like she's yeah. learned that herself. Right, right. Yeah. And, and you know, there's there's so many other things that she's been through that um, when I wrote Nine Ways to Die, I, I expected that Victoria was going to send the, the, the man that shot her father to the basement. Um, and when I was writing it, it, it didn't come out that way. It was basically like, I'm going to give you a chance to change. And I'm just like, she's so much better than better I would than be that. in that situation. Yeah. She like, yeah, she's, uh, she, she doesn't want to, she, she knows that like, yeah, she needs to be the better person and being the better person means doing it right. Not just being vengeful or right. taking revenge. Like it doesn't help her. It doesn't help anyone. Yeah, absolutely. She, yeah. I mean, she's still she's still super pissed off, and you can tell oh, how angry she is. But she's, and she's like done like, but, but I think like she did it that way because she's learned that being vengeful or or being angry or something it doesn't help anyone in the end, really. So right, yeah, it's still okay to feel that emotion. It's still okay to to be there, but oh yeah, ch- choosing the punishment isn't isn't just like about revenge. It's about trying to make things yeah. better in the future. Yeah. No, so yeah, I like I said, I love that because she's she's a well rounded character because like she's got so many different aspects. Um yeah. and yeah, like a a a character one that I think people relate to is one that they can empathize with and because like they see all aspects of her, not just the good and not just the bad kind of thing. Right. Um that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, she's she's nuanced because of that. She, yeah. you, get, you get to see her flaws and you get to see her evolve and change. And I, she becomes, you know, a window character. And like you said, she's she's not a Mary Sue. It's not like she just has these magical abilities. You know, sometimes she struggles to find the solution. And sometimes yeah. she's in despair herself because she doesn't know what to do. Um, yeah. The, the, the story that I mentioned, the, the storyline that I mentioned uh, prior to us starting to record that uh, Christopher Long's writing for... Um, the Patreon supporters um, is another situation where we're going to find Victoria and Merritt interacting again and her being in harm's way and, and yeah, getting tricked and fooled and, and in a circumstance where she has to kind of use all of her wits to get out of it. Um, 
it's 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 rough too. I mean, that's like I was talking to Chris about. I was like, well, you be careful writing this story because when I wrote, yeah, you know, when I wrote the um, the Von Hamlin storyline, the the Piper stories, um, and I was I was kind of almost torturing Victoria by putting her in some of these really uncomfortable situations. Uh, yeah. It was whenever I had pancreatitis and appendicitis and secondary infections and all this stuff. And I'm like, yeah. she's really not happy with me. She's trying to kill me, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, I, yeah. Like, I haven't been on the writer's uh, side of it, but I'm guessing, yeah, you need to be like the headspace you need to be in Yeah. as well. Like, it can affect or change different like ways you go about it and things like that. Absolutely. I'm not. A, yeah, it must be. I can only imagine how hard it is. <laughs> I, I remember getting asked to like, oh, just having to write anything, and I'm like, I have no idea how to put like thoughts in that to paper. So when I read some of these stories, I'm like, how the bloody hell did they think of that? <laughs> well, you know, that's that's part of the. I think that's part of the like from the writer perspective. Uh, Chris Long and I have both kind of talked a little bit about it that. There are some creepy, weird things happen when you start writing Victoria's stories. Um, yeah, where you know certain synchronicities and coincidences occur and, and stuff like that. Um, and I don't want to reveal too much of that because yeah. a lot of that actually ties into the upcoming story. So maybe once that's done, we'll we'll get together again and talk a little bit about it. But it's it's there's some strange oh, yeah. things that occur around the girl. I mean, I've always kind of felt that she's existed out there in the ether and, and I just found her. I didn't actually create her. So yeah. No, I, yeah. That would be fun to be like, uh, do an interview after be like, Oh my God, did you, could you, I could <laughs> not believe that happened. Like, yeah. Oh my God. She was Cthulhu the whole time. I had no idea. <laughs> <laughs> That's tremendous. That's yeah. tremendous. <laughs> so, um, that brings me to a question that I have here from Christine. How would you react if you ever got to ride Victoria's lift? And do you think you'd oh, get Jesus. along? <laughs> I don't know if I'd get out of there. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I definitely like that would, would definitely be cool. I don't think my story would be nearly as interesting as like 90%. It wouldn't be, yeah, I'd, <laughs> it wouldn't be like seeing some sort of, shadowy figures of a past that's been left unsolved kind of thing. It would be like, man, it'd just be Victoria going, every one of your former roommates says you were pretty, like, unorganized and, like, you never did the dishes. <laughs> like, you you got to go back and do them now. <laughs> like, yeah. Probably be what it would be. Yeah, I guess there are worse struggles than that. <laughs> yeah, I th I think I'm very low down on her priority chain. <laughs> Not out of like uh that I'm all kind of uh like I've never done anything wrong. It's just I think my stuff is quite boring compared to <laughs> a lot of stuff that she gets to deal with. <laughs> you know, when I was when I was in my 20s, I I lived uh, rented a house with with uh, two other guys and uh we would have rotations on doing dishes and stuff like that. So, like, oh, yeah. you know, this week is your week, this week is your week. And we would kind of rotate the chores around. And I'll tell you what, this one time, um, the two of them were back to back, um, yeah. in, in terms of doing the dishes for two weeks. I, and I refused, I refused to do anything. Like, I'm like, fine, we'll just let it sit then because yep. they were just so awful. 
so when it when it became when it was my turn, basically I had to clean up the entire kitchen because we were like using old margarine tubs for cereal bowls. Oh at that yeah, point. I oh <laughs> like I wasn't great myself, but I remember like because yeah, we had a ruster, and I would do them. Mm. Um, like I probably like I sh- sometimes I'd be like, well, I need to rinse that again, kind of thing. But I remember, yeah, I had I when I first went to uni, I had a I lived on the campus and I had five there was five of us in this tiny house and I'd be like, all right, I've done mine. And then four weeks later, it there was like, most of them were still there because I have refused to. I'm like, nope, not mine, not my turn. <laughs> and there would be stuff growing like in them. And I'm like, oh my Lord. So like, I, I, I'm, I've never been good with dishes, but I was never that bad. I think as a when I was a young adult, I always justified it as like, well, I'm not that bad. <laughs> I don't yeah. let stuff grow. <laughs> but, yeah, uh, that's actually where I was going with it. It's kind of funny because yeah, there was yeah. someone had like a sandwich with tomatoes on it and they left yeah. a, a little piece of the bread with the tomato there. And when I got to it, the tomato seed had sprouted and there uh, was a tomato yeah. plant growing out of the sandwich. And I'm like, oh, yeah, my God. We had that with potatoes. <laughs> they sprout. Uh, yeah, not good. It's <laughs> awful. Oh, Maybe so that's bad. some good like a uh, nightmare fuel, like some sort of like body horror. Uh, yeah, now like, I need to write that lift episode. <laughs> yeah, just someone like who's terrible at housework. Yeah, <laughs> there's probably something in that. <laughs> there, there well, the lift be. needs a proper fixer upper. There's like a you know everyone's got that room where it's like just your bits and bobs room maybe. I can't imagine what the lift's bits and bobs room looks like. <laughs> Probably like some sort of eldritch horror living in there. <laughs> maybe. Maybe. Yeah, there you go. Ah, I've got an idea. <laughs> there there may be part of that coming up in a, in, a, in an upcoming special Ooh. lift series that is ah. only available on Patreon. Oh, How there you that? go. <laughs> I just did an unintentional uh, Patreon uh, shout-out without Well, <laughs> Victoria revealed something to you that there you uh, go. Th- that only the rest of us knew. Exactly. Um, so I wanted to ask you, too, about um, some of the other stuff that you do. So you are kind of a, a renaissance woman. You, you don't just do voice acting. You're also an extremely talented artist. You've done some art for the show before. Oh, oh thank you. Yeah, I'd, I'd like to do a bit of drawing. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, I mean, you've done I, – I have a couple of your designs hanging up on the wall here that I got oh, from yeah, your store. Thank you very much. Yeah. Oh, they're, they're, they're quite old, those designs now. Like, I, I'm sure, like, uh, it's like any person that's creative or, like, likes creative – because, like, yeah, I've, I'm kind of that way inclined. If it's anything logical, sporty, or anything like that, I'm absolutely useless. Um, my one, like – pursuit is like kind of creative things but yeah because those designs are like a good four or five years old i'm like oh dan's got those hanging up i have a blue dragon hanging up oh, yeah. oh God, which I is know. awesome and then i have uh, <laughs> i have a mug with a uh oh I... that was like my first ever digital piece oh <laughs> i really need Ooh. to do so. i need to just send you new things but then and get in four years time, maybe it's not a bad thing because in four years time i want to send you new ones as well. that, that's the way that it all works i mean I, I actually in preparation for interviewing i went back and i listened to you know a couple of the earlier episodes and i was actually kind of surprised that i wasn't more critical of you know, like early editing i mean there are a couple where i'm like yeah i could have i could have edited that a little bit better yeah. but 
I mean, overall, I think they they still hold up. I'm I'm pretty pleased with you know the final result, and I think that has oh, a lot yeah. more to do with the talent of the writers and the and the voice actress uh, than it does with anything that I've oh, done. Oh yeah, I think like I listen to a lot of podcasts, and you can tell like uh, their first episodes, like how different like production quality wise a lot of the time. But mm-hmm. I think the lift, like there's definitely like I had a really shitty mic, but I think overall. Like it was pretty good quality for what it was like at the time. Like it's it was pretty high production. Um, yeah, I'm, like I'm a little definitely... bit of a perfectionist there. Yeah, like yeah. So I've I think it's like yeah. I've listened to podcast like some of the most listened to podcasts in the world. Their first episodes, their first few were like oh terribly edited <laughs> and like not equalized and yeah, they're peeking all over the place. So we were yeah. pretty on ball uh, like on the ball kind of thing i reckon yeah i mean it's it's it, it i i did you know the the old show that i used to do ninth story podcast prior to that and i also had a season at least most of a season of doing the first uh because i took wicked library over season six from nelson um i had at least part of a season if not the full season of of the the wicked library under my belt at that point so that definitely helped i think i made all my mistakes on ninth story podcast which is why you can't find my early episodes unless you really really dig for them <laughs> um because they i mean it, while they were great in terms of i think the topics that we covered and the discussions that we had there were some of the the audio mixing at least in the first season that i think was a little rough but uh, you know we got past it and um, you know, the, the thing with the lift or, or Victoria's lift, as we call it now, um, was the, the evolution of the sound design, because I think I relied a lot on sound effects, at least the first season, maybe the first two seasons. And I started to come to this feeling that the, the sound effects weren't so hypercritical because I didn't want people to just be like waiting for the next sound effect. Um, so it kind of evolved to where the effects are really, they have to be characters if I'm going to put them in the story. So, like, yeah. the lift itself is definitely a character. Victoria's music box. Oh, yeah. Box, you know, yeah. yeah. Oh, a door box, opening. You, know, you don't need to, like, narrate being, like, the music box started. Like, yeah, a lot of the time you could just have it and you're like, ah, there you go. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And it's, it's, it's fun, too, because as we move forward, you know, I've kind of settled on this idea that I've had all along that the music box actually has conversations with Victoria. And Oh, you know, yeah, I love that. To us, it sounds just like, you know, it's playing a few notes of this or a few notes of that. But to her, it's actually like a full on conversation that she understands. Oh, yeah. I've always kind of seen that as like a Han Solo, Chewbacca kind of situation. Right. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Because she's all by herself. So, I mean, you have to give her a friend to talk to. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. She's had enough time to uh, basically uh, translate or understand, I think. Yes, absolutely. Um, And... do we want to talk a little bit about your? You just finished with Fringe Fest. Ah, uh, yeah, you could. Uh, so, it might so, be a different audience than the lift, but yeah, I. Um, no. see, I don't think Victoria <laughs> would have any problem. I don't oh, think no, she would do it herself, she, but she'd be like, yeah, you know, "Good she, on you." She'd be young, but yeah, she'd yeah. probably like cheer you on. She'd um, be like, "Good no, on yeah, you for doing that." Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, Fringe World in uh, is a, a Fringe Festival in Perth where I think it's um it's one of the largest in the world. Um we love our local art scene. I think and I think it's it's either the biggest in Australia or the second biggest. But it's basically a big festival of um all kind of uh all kind of art shows uh, like a lot of stand up comedy, music, 
cabaret and burlesque and uh, all different stuff. And this year's Fringe Festival was obviously it was mainly more local people because a lot of people couldn't come over. Mm-hmm. Um, normally it's more like uh, international stars, but obviously it wasn't that much this year. And it was funny because halfway through, so I uh, I do burlesque, uh, local burlesque, um, which yeah I've only started doing in the past couple of years. But uh, I think it's more like like I did start doing voiceover because I loved my community theatre, and burlesque reminds me of that. Like it's mm-hmm. a lot, it's very much it's it's theatre at its core, pretty much. Um, and like, I always liked more of my comedy theater and funny enough, burlesque, like a lot of local burlesque is it, like all my acts are like comedy themed. It's normally me falling over and a piece of clothing <laughs> falling off or something like that. And it's normally to cover the fact that I've actually fallen over and it's like <laughs> ad lib that my tops come off or something like that. So, uh, I'm not very good at, I'm not very good at like the serious sensual uh, burlesque. I'm terrible at that. It's normally me making a fool of myself. Um, it's but slapstick we actually, meets burlesque, huh? Pretty much. Um, and unlike, like, we've been very lucky in W in Western Australia because we, um, since June of last in 2020, we've pretty much had all our venues. We have like no COVID, pretty much. Yeah. So we've been in this little bubble that we are very appreciative of because we could, we can basically, like, we can't really leave the state, but we get like life goes on as normal pretty much where I am but we we this is how different like our state is compared to the rest of the world we had uh halfway through fringe we had a single case of like at the first case in 10 months of a case being transmitted locally so rather than like a return uh person on a flight like a return okay. traveler like a security guard had caught a covid from one of the hotel quarantine people and because of that one case, we went into a snap five-day lockdown, um, which was halfway through Fringe. So uh, most of my Fringe shows, like I'd done a few, like well, I was, I'd done a few uh, before then, but my majority of my Fringe shows were during that five days. So they all got cancelled. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Luckily, they've been like rebooked. Uh, like I've got one next week. Luckily for me, it's actually they're all now more spread out. So okay. Like gotcha. it sucked at the time, but now I actually prefer it because I rather than being like <laughs> boom, 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 boom. Um, but yeah, so uh, burlesque is very like um, I uh, it's like it it's open to all different like burlesque. A lot of people think like oh, it's kind of like a, a sleazy kind of woman, you know, on stage. But it's it's one of the most open progressive kind of communities I've ever been a part of. It doesn't matter what like gender you conform to, what age you are, what body type you are, like everyone it's literally one of the most diverse communities yeah. I've been involved in. And that's it's like I remember my friend going, Oh, I've started burlesque, you should come uh, and do it. I was like, I can't do that. It's like um at the time I was like, I was like, I'm, I'm not the body shape. I'm, I'm short. I'm not, I'm not skinny. I, I can't do that. And then I went and watched my first burlesque show and it was all about like people getting on stage and dancing and celebrating. Like everyone was unique because everyone is unique. Right. So like everyone stood out because no one's the same. Um, so it became like a, all of a sudden I was like, oh, 
it doesn't matter what you look like. It doesn't matter. Like there's people that have grandkids um, and there's people that have just come out of like that have just turned 18 and there's people who uh, like we're very open to people of all different genders. So it's not just like a female and female presenting. Anyone can do burlesque kind of thing, mm-hmm. um, which, yeah, like you would think, like I think traditionally like burlesque, you're like, oh, it's kind of like an old sleazy thing, but it, it's weird that, it, yeah, it's one of the most, yeah, it's. Open I mean, there's, there's actually. Been a part of. <laughs> yeah, yeah like, it's it's very. Um, it, it, I think it's very empowering for the performers. Um, oh because, yeah. You know they're in control of it. There's a lot of confidence building that occurs from. You know, I have quite a few friends that that do burlesque, and um, you know, I just I, there's a there's a big difference. Not to disparage or 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 say that it's not a worthy art style to people who do stripping. Yeah. Yes. But it's 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 totally a different genre. Um, oh no, it, I I always say the difference between stripping and burlesque is strippers get paid uh, well. <laughs> burlesque <laughs> We get paid in exposure, or you get the occasional gig. You might get and you might get a free drink at the bar. Woo. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, it's, it's stripping is a, is a lot more. Um, there's a lot more sex involved in in terms yes. of there's a lot more sexuality involved, and in, and you're you're definitely teasing. Um, there's definitely a lot of allegories to actual intercourse that occur in stripping, you know, not only in the way that you're presenting and moving and, you know, if you're doing a lap dance, that's something totally different too. Oh yeah. Um, burlesque is more, I mean, not that it's not sensual, um, but. Oh no. And I I think it's, yeah, it's definitely more of like your, it's it's like performance performance and it's it's where the performer, if the performer wants to take you down a sensual route, because that's what they like, that's what. Like they're taking you on there. You're like, um, they're not being persuaded by the audience to do something. Like they're the ones, yeah, they're putting on a play kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and every different performer and every different performance is different. So burlesque can be like, uh, it could be full on. It could be uh, like a Charleston dance. It could be ballet. It could be a stand up act. It could be Mm-hmm. Uh, like physical theater, it like it's not just like you say, like people say, oh, it's dancing, it, it or like it's teasing. There's so like I've seen people do a jump leap splits onto the floor kind of thing, or like a backflip while doing burlesque, and then sometimes I've just seen people do like a five minute like physical comedy routine where there's not a single piece of dancing involved kind of thing. So it's. I think it's different, but it also, like, it allows people to get their creative, like, um, theatre, like, mm-hmm. their need to be on stage or something. <laughs> and at the same time, like, you you get to work on yourself and be more confident in yourself. Yeah. I Before I started, I would never wear, like, I didn't like the way my legs look, so I wouldn't wear, like, short shorts. Or I didn't like the way my upper arms look, so I'd never wear anything without sleeves. Like... And within 10 months of doing burlesque, I was tassel twirling on stage uh, with <laughs> that and a very small pair of underwear on. So you very quickly become like, you're like, you become, you become a very comfortable with who you are and mm-hmm. you realize like, uh, like if you, and like we're all human. So some days I'll still be like, eh, I don't like that. But a lot of the time it's the parts you don't like or something like, but that it, it makes you who you are and what makes you different from everyone kind of thing. 
Um, and like, it's, it's one of the, like burlesque, I remember uh, no one in my family had done it or really heard of it. So I was mortified to see what my family was going <laughs> to think about it. I was like, Oh God. I remember my mum being like, you're not going out wearing that, are you? So I was like mortified to watch you think of burlesque. But, um, I told, when I told her, she was like, Oh, that sounds cool. And she, she came to my second ever solo performance, which like uh, when I started, there's a burlesque school in Perth and they do graduation shows. Like like a <laughs> like you're graduating from high school, but you're graduating from burlesque kind of thing. Um, and I was doing a solo performance and my mum on the day is like, so I invited a couple of extra people, uh, your grandma, your aunt, three of your cousins, <laughs> one of your second cousins. Oh, great aunt, uh, your sibling and all like that. So it was literally like 10 members of my family at a table. And I was like, mum, you explained what this is, right? I'm taking clothes off and I'm going like, I twirl tassels at some point. Like, yeah, that'd be fine. That'd be fine. And I was like, oh, okay. And I did it. And they like they that luckily they they really enjoyed the performance but I was sitting with them after and I was surprised they loved every single performance like every one they love they're like oh can we come to the next one I'm like oh I'm not like in the next one they're like yeah no, that's all right this, this is fun even better yeah yeah even better don't have to worry about yeah no I think hey, I like, just picture granny just being like you get up there and be sexy now. Yeah, go on. Yeah, like like I said, it's a lot easier when they're comedy ones. But uh, but yeah, no. So uh, it's good when you get that support. My only, I don't know. Like you could probably cut this out if it's too much. But my, uh, I have a friend who she does burlesque too, and she lives on her parents live on the same street, and her mum's very supportive and comes to every show. And that one particular night, I'd like uh, I'm new to the net. Like we bought a house here, mm. and turns out just it was just before the show I went out and I said hello to her mum and she goes oh um come meet literally there was like five people from my street as well that I'd never met before <laughs> that they live on the same street and I was like oh hi I'm number 29 you know at the back um and that was the first and only ever time I popped a tassel and I didn't realize so they've seen oh, a lot no. more of me than I expect <laughs> um <laughs> So I hadn't met them before, but oh, they fun. sure met a lot of me that night. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's tremendous. That's hilarious. <laughs> of course oh, it would be yeah. that night that you pop a tassel. Exactly. It's the only other time I've done it. But it, it definitely, you know, it, it breaks the ice, I guess. Uh, you know, yeah, you know number well, 29. Oh, I've seen her. I've seen yes. her. <laughs> <laughs> She hasn't seen me, but I've seen her. Yeah. yeah when, when, her. when you see the, the, the neighborhood folks hanging out with binoculars at your front gate. <laughs> Go on, then pop a tassel. It's not like it's something we haven't seen before. Yeah, um, exactly. <laughs> no, I mean, that that's there's definitely something I I I, I guess it's it's exposure to it. And it, it makes you feel more comfortable and a definitely. confidence builder, you know, I mean. And- I can't even compare to, to burlesque because I've never done anything like it. But I mean, the, the only thing I can think of is, you know, you know, I, as I was telling you before we started recording, I've, I've had some, some medical issues and I've had some, some home care where nurses have to come in and see 
parts of me that I usually wouldn't show to anybody. Yeah. Um, ah, you get used to it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's like I used to have modesty. Now I'm just like, whatever. I mean, not like I'm going to walk around naked outside. Oh, yeah. Or anything, no. It, but uh, like, yeah. In, in that medical setting, I'm like, well, okay, whatever. Um, oh, yeah. I'm the same. Like, I still wear, I, like, I go to work, I wear my professional clothes and things like that. Uh, <laughs> you don't wear don't... one of your outfits from burlesque? Come on now. <laughs> Maybe sometimes on, some, on uh, you know, like casual uh, Friday, uh, casual Friday. Exactly. <laughs> um, I think that's the only thing is like, uh, cause sometimes no, I like, obviously I'd never, some people are not that like super conservative. They're just not very comfortable and that's completely fine. Uh, and sometimes I'm always like, please tell me to stop uh, talking about it because I can go into a lot of detail. <laughs> like if you're not comfortable <laughs> with it, I will stop now. <laughs> like, because I was the same. I remember my first ever Belle show, I got changed in a toilet, like, because it was like a, a graduation show. So everyone mm. just gets changed in one big, um, like dressing room. Yeah. And I didn't even take my first ever Belle performance. I didn't even take any clothes off. It was like a little beginner showgirl routine. Um, <laughs> and I got changed, got changed in a toilet cubicle. Cause I was like, Ooh, bit naughty and now i'm just <laughs> now it's just like walking around going oh yeah these tests are they even i don't know <laughs> like, like, <laughs> can you help me paste these on yeah because oh it's been like that like i've got my my hands my my polish is setting my nail polish is setting can one of you just whack those on for me yeah. <laughs> like, so, like yeah it, oh, it, i think yeah it's def it's definitely like when you find a community that is like comfortable with that kind of stuff and yeah. yeah, it's it's what not till after that I was like, why did I spend so much time like when I was younger and that worrying about what I look like and things like that? Like now, couldn't you two craps about it going <laughs> like? Well, Victoria um, would be very proud of you. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I was gonna say if yeah, maybe that would be the thing. Would be uh, she'd probably have to find me at a burlesque show, which she. Actually, that would be a big challenge for her because she's not allowed in. She's under 18. Well, she That's looks right. under 18. That, correct. Exactly. Yeah. For all intents and purposes, she's under 18. Yeah, she yeah. wouldn't be able to look. She wouldn't That's be allowed right. in. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's tremendous. And yeah, I mean, even whenever she, even whenever we had her age up, 13 still too young. So Yeah, too young. Too young. That's right. That's right. <laughs> like, but on uh, the thousand. Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, she's like, I've literally probably seen like the Moulin Rouge. And like all these actual shows, That's I've seen right. like yeah, but no, of course. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, I don't, I don't really have a wrap up or anything like that. I mean, I feel like we said at the beginning, you know, this is going to be kind of us hanging out and talking. If people want to eavesdrop on it and listen, that's fine. I just, you know, we, oh, we I'm haven't... so sorry to those listening. I probably <laughs> meant the same thing fifty million times. <laughs> no, I think we did good. I think we did good. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so this was, this will be, um, something we'll have to do again. Um, I just wanted to kind of, I, f I felt it would be fun to kind of do a behind the scenes kind of inside the music box type of thing. Oh here. yeah. Ooh, I like that. Inside yeah. the music box. There we go. That's the title. Inside the go. music There's box the with Amber Collins. <laughs> yeah. Meet, meet the fantastic woman who plays Victoria. Oh um, God. Yeah. <laughs> But uh, yeah, so I mean, some people probably will will give up on us halfway through or or twenty minutes in. But uh, for those of you who are still listening, um, we'll we'll try to do some more of this type of stuff in the future. And we do have an upcoming interview with Victoria herself as well. Oh yes, uh, which will, uh, which will I'll, be a lot I'll, of fun. Uh, I'll tell her. <laughs> That's right. You let her know. <laughs> 
let your alter ego know that we'll be having an yeah, interview exactly. with Victoria coming <laughs> up. Uh, th- that one requires a little bit of preparation because there's uh, some editing and things that are involved in uh, yes. obviously creating Victoria. So what is so what does Victoria sound like whenever you're recording her? Uh, maybe uh, that's our wrap up. So if you oh were gonna, God, if you yes. were gonna, if you were gonna be Victoria, what is what does she sound like before? It we also apply makes effects? me sound like uh, way less impressive. Uh, to, and it's a bit of well, a glass shattering. I apologize, everyone, that I tend to pitch up my voice just a bit. I don't know if you. you it makes it easier. <laughs> yeah, it makes it way easier. Uh, I'm trying to think. Uh, like, hello, my name is Victoria. I think that's like the best. That's perfect. That's fantastic. <laughs> You know what? Maybe we could do Victoria interview live. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. (laughs) I need a script for Victoria. Otherwise, it'd just be me rambling for an hour and a half like I have now. (laughs) Yeah, that's fantastic. Uh, No, that's pretty good. I think we came in just around an hour and a half, which I think is is kind of perfect for an interview like this. So um, I'll get it out there. I'll let you know when it's it's available if you want to subject your friends and family to it. and uh, we'll go from there. <laughs> yeah. but, but this was a lot of fun. I really appreciate you taking oh, yeah. the time to do no, it. No, that's all right. It did. Oh, man, that time flew. I didn't even realize. I just I looked at the time. Jeez Louise. That's what happens when you don't talk to someone for two years. Yeah, that, true, that's true, such true. a weird thing about, like, I was talking to my friend John Girls, who does uh, Creepy and who did Small Town Horror. He, um, yes. yep. he and I have talked about, recently got together. We we've actually did, a, a like, a Zoom call uh, a few weeks back. It was the first time we've ever saw each other. It's the first time we ever talked to each other. Um, it's just such a weird thing about, you know, the way that most podcasts, most audio dramas are produced these days. And especially in COVID times, um, you know, we were talking about that too uh, the other day with Throwdown Thursday for, uh, for their podcast. I was talking to, uh, Patrick about it and, and it's just like, you know, it's part of the way that things are structured. I mean, our industry, if you want to call it an industry, is kind of COVID proof because we have people from so many yes. places all over the world that are recording in their closets or their basements or their own recording booths or their offices or whatever. Um, we get all this stuff, pull it together from all over the world and put it together. Um, you know, for the most part, aside from the normal challenges that voice actors have faced, like now their kids are at home and they have to worry about what they're doing. Oh, and their sound's got to do it in between tantrums <laughs> exactly. or something like that. Yeah, right. Uh. right. Um, but it's just so weird. Like, we we correspond you and i correspond regularly um i mean i feel like i feel like we know each other well but you know we've never met um i don't think we've no. ever we've never seen each other live um no. and you know when when this world changes and goes back to normal um I'm going to have to come visit you and Andy and, and, and hang out for a few days or oh, something. Yeah. If, oh, yeah. Come to Perth. I'm sure it's completely different to, like, America. Yeah. But, uh, Plus, you got a beach. Yeah, we got a beach. Yeah, we've got beaches. Uh, I'm trying to think. What else we got? We've got a couple of shops. Yeah, a, couple, <laughs> a few. One or two. Got a few. A few shops. You got burlesque yeah. performances. Oh, yeah. You got that. Yeah, come during Fringe. You can get all the comedy, music, <laughs> feel. Ooh. It'd be a blast. Be a blast. Yeah. yeah I mean, people don't know this, but we, uh, we did a live show. Well, people know we did a live show, uh, yes. for, for the wicked library. And, um, there was a lift episode that was part of that as well. And you, uh, you recorded, pre-recorded all your lines and we had a, a great, yeah. great guy that, you know, set everything up and played everything as, as part of the, the show and the timing was impeccable and it was like you were there, but, 
Uh, we had actually, we were supposed to do a, a new live show uh, last last fall. Yeah. And of course, COVID being what it was, that got canceled. Mm-hmm. But uh, we were we were trying to get you over to to, to be yeah, part of I, the show. I was like, ooh, I've never been to America, so I was super keen to yeah, like help out and like go over there. Um, but yeah, COVID. But yeah. it's probably better that I like if if I had come over, it probably wouldn't have been the best for everyone. <laughs> like so, and yeah, we wouldn't have been able to tour. So yeah, uh, yeah. But yeah, so- I'm sure it will happen at some point, or we could have a the lift down under one day. <laughs> like, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Yeah, hear that, listeners. Support the show. <laughs> send us lots of money, and, and we'll come to your town yeah. and perform live. Yeah, the- You'll get to meet Amber, and it'll be fantastic. <laughs> hey, yeah, and if anyone's a fan in Perth that I don't know of, uh, I'm sure, like, uh, people that I've told about it. But if if we, if we I've missed you, um, just flick me a message. <laughs> we'll go That's have right. a bev somewhere. <laughs> That's right. You get to hang out with Victoria. <laughs> oh, or at no. least the voice of Victoria. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I think hanging out with having a a pint with Victoria probably would probably end up in some sort of shenanigans. <laughs> probably, probably. I think she's a teetotaler, but uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I don't think she. Oh, she wouldn't be drinking the pint. It'd no. be a pint of tea. That's what yeah, it exactly. I mean, she'd drink it and she'd, she'd she'd have a sip of beer and curl her nose up and say, it was "Yeah, awful. exactly." Oh no. I can just picture it. That's awful. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> There you go. There's another tip for another future episode. <laughs> That's right. That's right. <laughs> well, again, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. You're most welcome. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, over limited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.